Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how are you doing this week? I'm pretty excited because I, I, I have the list of the upcoming uh, podcast guests. And yeah. I think what you need to do is just, uh, folks, is just take a week off from your job. You can tell them a Gib and John said it's okay, it's good for you, and just listen to every pod. Go back from the beginning. Get a little notepad out. Get a fountain pen. You you prefer the fountain pen? I do like a fountain pen. And just pen. take all. Just take notes. Well, look, you know, you don't really commute. You walk like fifty feet to, to work every day. Yeah. A lot of people out there are commuting, and they listen to something commute. Oh, that's good. It'll yeah. only take them like a week with yeah. the average commute times being up over an hour now to go. catch up on the podcast. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just got. You don't to have to take time off your work. Well, point. Yeah, but you can use it as an excuse. Uh, yes, that's yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Okay, our guest this week is is Jenny Blake. Now she is a life coach, a career coach. Um, she does all kinds of consulting for corporations, and and her book is the is called Pivot, and that's what we're going to talk about is her book and her Pivot method, which she employs when she's doing coaching uh, for for all kinds of people. And basically, what it does is it operates under this assumption. The only constant in careers is change. In fact, the total number of years spent in a given job have gone down to about four years per job now. That's, That's the average, yeah. which is ridiculously low. So she, her whole mentality is... Embrace it. If that's the only constant, then you need to be the kind of person who is able to change gears very quickly, change your focus very quickly. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, about why that's the case, and about how to navigate a very different economy than than our parents and grandparents grew up in. So, what kinds of people does she consult? Uh, like managers? So and stuff? She works with management company with with whole companies, uh, helping them to learn how to adapt to these kinds of to these kinds of changes but also she talks to individuals she's got this like career group of people who share a lot of advice with each other they, uh, this thing called solopreneur have you heard that no it's people that want to build not a like a 2 million person company you know or you know 10,000 employees right. they just want to build a, a career life for themselves where they are their their own boss so they have their own kind of business with no full-time employees this solopreneur. sounds amazing this sounds and when i think of uh, when i think well so she's really she's she's making sure you stay ahead of the game, right? Otherwise, if you if you try to make a decision as you're leaving the job, exactly. it's too late. Exactly. Plus, also helping you find and create the job that you're passionate about. That's the whole solo solopreneurship. I'm really good at saying this. Solopreneurship concept is you create this life that you're passionate about, this work that you're passionate so about, great. and how to and how to do that. So, so great. Uh, anybody that's changing jobs, anybody that wants to find more passion in their work. You need to listen to this. Yeah, because back in the day, we were just trying to make a buck. Well, you, back in the day, you got a job working for you know AT and T, and you stayed yeah. there until you retired, yeah, and you got yeah. a gold watch yeah. and a pension. That doesn't I, exist anymore. I almost ended up making underwear, but that's another so, story. And you, and you know, and you would have worked there yeah. as soon yeah. as all of a sudden you would have. They would have fired you because they fire all kinds of people yep. now, and there's yeah. no gold watch, no yeah. pension anymore. You got to and and look, we would have been deprived of this conversation. <laughs> so speaking of pivoting. Uh, and change uh, things are changing in the world of uh, kids and and cash. I'll oh, take yeah. it through a couple of quick stories here before we unleash uh, as we are want to give do. today. Uh, so apparently, when kids see cash now, and I, I'd love to know how your kids feel about it. They don't understand how to use it or how much it's worth. This is from the Pew Research Center. They found that uh, in a typical week, nearly one in three North Americans makes no purchases using cash. That's crazy. Uh, and so toy stores don't even sell the toy cash registers anymore. We have one of those that we had with Prima uh -huh. and you too. Yeah. Kids use preloaded uh, cards to buy lunch at school cafeterias. And even Monopoly Gib has gone yeah. cashless. So how are you dealing with this with your kids? Because Uncle Vinny gives your kids cash. Right. So so that's, that's, that's the cool thing is I don't really use cash anymore. Uh, I grew up using cash, but obviously like now I just don't carry it around. My kids, uh, they do have their allowances cash. 
their chore, like all the stuff that they earn around the house doing stuff is cash. And Uncle Vinny, like you said, uh, gives them cash. Now, it's really funny because my, my middle daughter uh, this morning was drawing on paper and was drawing fake money on paper, and she was going to let me have it. She goes, no, Uncle Vinny always gives me money. I need to give him this money. I can't give it to you. So it's very funny. But I, I, I do think that we need to understand the value of cash. We need to teach our kids about it. And so go to the toy store and demand they, or go to a sure. thrift store and get a vintage yeah. cash register and teach your kids about. And it's also a great math lesson. You know, that's the other thing that I got growing up is nobody, only like, you know, a few people had credit cards when I was growing up. So you, you, you could use money as a constant math lesson to make you faster at arithmetic. And kids don't get that these days. As soon as they're 13, they're using, they're using a credit card. A couple of thoughts on this. First of all, Gibbs' uh, oldest daughter, who's uh, seven plus, is uh, scary uh, 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 smart, right? Yep. So I, I'm thinking if she's drawing money, you might want to keep an eye on her. Yeah. Because she may be making money. She in might a, be counterfeiting a, pretty yeah, soon. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, um, I actually love, you know, when, when, if I get something from Uber Eats, mm-hmm. whatever, I, I like tipping in cash. Tipping in cash is great. I want the person to. I want to look at the person and say, I'm, I, I, I like this. I'm, t- I'm tipping you. Okay. And instead of like they find out two days later that somebody left if, 4% or something. It's also, if you work for the IRS, put your fingers in your ears right now. It's also a great way for them to not have to pay taxes on the yeah. tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so one more thing. Uh, apparently, two, there, a recent study was done by one poll. They found that two-thirds of people are afraid of this. Losing their cell phone or... Equally as important, just forgetting to take it with them when they, they head to work. And yeah. almost half of people who responded to the survey said their biggest worry, Gib, about leaving their phone at home was that their partner might look at the messages and texts. Uh, this is, this is okay. terrible. So let's unpack a couple of things here. First of all, yes, we are all completely addicted to our cell phones. I am, I am, this is not the pot calling the kettle black. This is, I am absolutely agreeing. I am with you guys. We are all addicted to our phones in, in a myriad of ways, not only in a negative way, but I also, I need my phone on me for, to do any kind of business. If my yeah. agent's going to call yeah. me, if I get an email, it's all on my phone all the time. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I need it. The second thing I would say is that we all need to go to marriage counseling because if you, if that's, if you're that worried about your significant other looking through your phone, you've got bigger problems than a phone addiction. We all have the phone addiction. If that's your concern, you really need to sit down and think about like, what kind of messages am I sending? And where's my relationship that I'm that nervous about it? I'm, I'm, I'm only nervous about one thing is that, is that my wife would see my order history on Amazon. Oh yeah. Cause there's a lot of goofy stuff. Yeah. It really is. And a lot of stuff that she never sees, you know, and yeah, why, I, why do you need 10 different master lock padlocks? You only have like two sheds, <laughs> I, but I, you get a, you, you order them in bulk. You know me. I'm always afraid that, that, that something's going to break. Yes. Like I have like, we're getting ready to do a bunch of concerts and I, and I, I use one of those wireless remotes. Uh-huh. I have, Ten of those. You also I can't even find them. You also do the thing where you accidentally press the wrong button and you end up getting five of something. Yeah. But instead of like returning yeah. four like a normal human yeah. being person, I, I just eat it. You just go. No, no, I meant to have five. Let me give <laughs> That's it. And true. you start handing them out like when the Uber <laughs> guy when the Uber guy comes and you're like, uh, here, here, get yourself some white wall tires and here's a here's a master lock padlock. Boy, I, you, I may have gotten a couple. Too boy, many you have my number. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm so excited about your interview coming up with uh, Jenny Blake. I'm, I'm already gonna gonna download the book uh, Pivot, and uh, I just you know it's you're it, it, you got to listen to Gib doing these interviews because there's something you'll pick out of each one that will improve your life. So I'm I'm really excited about that. All right, so here's Jenny Blake. Jenny Blake, just want to thank you for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, I want to start. You, so you've written this book. You wrote it a while ago. 
uh, pivot. And I know that one of the core concepts is sort of that change and changing direction in today's in today's modern society uh, is no longer the mask of shame that it once was uh, in, 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 in careers of yesteryear. So, so why don't you start by just telling us what Pivot is and, and why you found it important? Well, just like you said, I adopted the motto when working on this book, if change is the only constant, let's get better at it. Mm. I noticed that for myself and so many others, when we would hit a plateau or a pivot point, and I didn't have that language at the time, it felt like a crisis mm -hmm. and a personal shortcoming, like you described, these wily millennials that just can't stay put or mm. some kind of failure to appreciate your current circumstances. And of course, although that sometimes does happen, I was noticing a larger pattern where people of all ages, all career stages, all bank account balances were being confronted with this question, what's next, much more frequently and by choice and by circumstance. When I was working on the book, I had just as many people who got pivoted, not by their own choosing mm -hmm. as those who did. And so I define a career pivot as doubling down on what's already working to shift methodically into what's next. And if you think like a basketball player, one foot stays planted when they stop dribbling mm -hmm. and that's their source of stability, their foundation. Then the pivot foot can scan for passing options. So in a practical sense, a career pivot means don't start from scratch. None of you listening are starting from scratch. How can you build on your strengths, what's already energizing and exciting to you and what success looks like to go in a related direction? And and I think like I think scratch also it it belies what um what we really are, which is a a, a collection of experiences. So when you say even from scratch, even if it feels like you're starting from scratch, you're still taking with you all of the experience and knowledge that you gained in any previous endeavor. So that's that's an important thing to remember when you're embracing change, right? Absolutely. And so often it converges in the most interesting and unique ways. And in fact, it's the people who think oh, I've just been hopping around. Or sometimes someone will come up to me after a talk and say, turns out I've been pivoting my whole life and right. I just thought something was wrong with me. So it's actually people who do have this unique combination. Their pivot portfolio is really ranges across the board. That's what makes you even more unique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I've also found like, okay, so I want to get into this idea of why all of us, why, why now why the, the modern workplace has sort of forced us to all be pivoters, because I noticed this change. People, for my whole life, uh, and I'm about, about your age, but people have been saying jack of all trades as a compliment, but everybody forgets jack of all trades used to be an insult, but we've, begin, we've begun to really like tre uh, treasure the idea of being a jack of all trades, but it used to be jack of all trades, master of none. It was an insult right. for somebody who couldn't settle down. But now, even in the way we use the aphorism, it's, it's actually a compliment. So what do you think has changed there? There are some people who love being a master at something and diving deep and they, they know from early on what they want to do and they spend their careers pursuing it. And that's great. I think we need both, you know, so I think not to denigrate the jack of all trades and just say, oh, jack of all trades, master of men. Well, they are a master at being agile. The jack of all trades is really good at joining a startup company somewhere they have to wear multiple hats, mm -hmm. running their own business, places where they can kind of dive into every area they need to and then hire out or partner with people who have deeper expertise. So I think we really need both. You know, a colleague of mine, David Zweig, wrote a book called The Invisibles. 
And he talks about all the people doing invisible jobs in society that they don't want to create a personal brand. They don't need to create a million Mm -hmm. million person following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about balance. And I think at the end of the day, it's also about saying what lights me up and when am I my best at work? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a question that a lot of people are are asking right now of of when when we are at our best, because I think there are so, like you said, there's so many options for what you can do now and whether you you do it quietly or loudly, you know, with, with followers, without followers. So I guess my question to you would be, what do you think is a good first step? So, okay, we acknowledge that we have to pivot, that this world requires it. What do we do after we pivot? Well, um, it's a great question. And I also want to add that it can sound... And in many cases, it is a huge privilege to even be able to ask the question, when am I my best at work, and then take action based on that. But the flip side of that is that people are also seeing that if I'm not at my best and I'm not in a role that fits, I'm not going to last very long. Mm -hmm. That, you know, companies reorg, they restructure. Now you asked about trends in society. We all see the trends of Mm -hmm. globalization, Mm -hmm. automation, outsourcing. So these are affecting all of us in a very real way. Mm -hmm. And I just want to acknowledge that, that it's, this isn't all just fluffy, idealistic, you know, some of, so much of it is by necessity. And I also want to say that not all pivots by the same token have to be these massive changes. And Mm -hmm. in fact, my goal with pivot was creating a framework that would allow us to start right where we already are. That instead of looking so far out in the future about what we want to do, that can sometimes be paralyzing. Mm. It's what are some small experiments and next steps and skills that you could start developing right now with exactly what you already have. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think stalls a lot of career changers or pivoters is that they actually think too big, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a strange thing to say. And there's so many, you know, one thing is you don't have to solve your pivot up front. Mm. A lot of clients that I work with feel pressure that they need to know their next move before they start taking any steps at all. And I like to think about pivoting and there's a stage of the pivot method called piloting about running small experiments. Think of these experiments like racehorses at the Kentucky Derby. You do not need to know which horse is going to win. You just need to line them up at the starting gate, Mm. lift the gates and say, go. And the same is true in a career and work sense. Can you line up some classes, some meetings with other people, some projects, special projects at work or in your own business, and then gather data, let them go and see which of them start to pick up a natural momentum on their Mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then, and then ride and basically ride that horse to the finish line, right? (laughs) Right. Extend the metaphor beyond words. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. See, see which ones are picking up, see which ones are gaining traction. And those are usually the ones where every next step you take provides the next clue and the next one after mm-hmm. that. Do you think that that kind of thinking, because on, on, on the flip side of things, though, there's a lot of um, people who write books similar to yours and coaches and, and sort of lifestyle, this sort of uh, lifestyle um, self-awareness thing that that is that is really that your book fits under where you I'm I'm thinking of Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday there's all these guys there's all these people that are saying this that you know to try to how to how to manufacture a life that we want how to be more proactive and not let life happen to us and I think part of that is we were talking about earlier this idea of society so society has changed no longer do you get a job for Ma Bell at at 20 and you retire at 65 from that from that same company that those companies don't 
hire people like that anymore and people don't live like that anymore. It's just not the world we live in. And and so we're forced, like you said, to embrace this concept of change. But when you do this piloting program, so many of the people, uh, your peers are saying, look for sometimes, you know, go through the obstacle, use the obstacles as a way of navigating and find ways around it. Does switching horses and the piloting, how does that fit into that? Or do we, or, or what? Well, I love the stoic phrase, the obstacle is the way. I like, I encourage people to ask if I were the main character in a movie, Hmm. what is this scene meant to teach me? Why is this happening at this exact moment in time with these exact circumstances? So any problem or challenge, and I didn't make that prompt up, by the way, there's research that supports this, but I will paint the picture for people like, you know, imagine we're the audience. We've got our popcorn sitting in our laps. We're rooting for you. What -hmm. are you meant to learn or do differently at this juncture? Yeah. And so switching horses, <laughs> I love how many metaphors we have going. They're all there. They're all dangling up in the air right now. Yeah. And, you know, anytime there's an obstacle, there is a moment of reflection. And this is why I think stillness practices and physical practices, like even exercise or going for a walk or getting fresh air are so important mm. because that's what helps you discern. Well, is this obstacle telling me go a different way, like a Roomba. I quoted someone <laughs> in the book, you talked about being a career Roomba. Do you switch the second that you bump into a wall or right. do you stick with it? And that's where I always encourage people to say, what does my gut say? Mm-hmm. And check in because especially during pivoting, it's very easy to get caught up in shoulds mm-hmm. and what the mind says. Well, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you should do that. Worrying about judgment, what other people are going to think of us. Mm-hmm. So part of the point of piloting is allowing yourself to dip a toe in the water or or it, nurture those horses as they go and just observe. <laughs> and if if they're running into issues, get curious and see, well, okay, so if a pilot doesn't work out, was there an aspect about it that I did enjoy and how can I switch? You know, for me, I have a podcast as well and I often say I would do the show even if nobody was listening because it has allowed me to connect with my heroes. Yeah. And that's a real unexpected benefit. In the beginning, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But little by little, I realized, oh, I do enjoy this. Oh, I can become better at this. Oh, there is room to expand. But even now, four years later, it takes the most time of anything I do in my business Mm. and is the least profitable. So it's clearly a pilot that may not be succeeding in a monetary sense if you define success that way, but it certainly is in a priceless, uh, life enhancing way. Yeah. I mean, and, and there you go there, there's that sort of lifestyle design thing, right? Like you're not using money as the, as the only measure of what it's, what's valuable to you. You're using this other paradigm of, I I get to talk to people that I really want to talk to. So I enjoy doing the podcast, even though it's, it's a, uh, it's not necessarily a money winner. Exactly. And that takes us to another somewhat cliche from this world, but can you enjoy the pilots as they're happening? Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer that in no way should you do things where you dread and hate the process, but you're hoping and praying for some specific outcome and that, oh, well, it will all be worth it if you achieve some measure of success on the other side. That doesn't work for me. So I like to really check in at every step and say, am I enjoying this? Am I having fun? Am mm-hmm. I is this teaching me something? And if not, keep problem solving that there, there can be creative solutions to this. You know, I remember when I was 
leaving Google, I was so worried. What if I lose all my money and I have no clients and I'm mm-hmm. destitute and I end up in a van by the river? <laughs> and that fear voice, my inner CFO was so prominent. So I started to make myself that it was fine. I couldn't make that voice go away. But I started to also ask, but what if I earned twice as much in half the time? Mm-hmm. And I just let the question be there. Even when I didn't have the answer, I just held space for not just what I didn't want, but what success did look like in my own terms. I guess you're, so you decide to leave Google. That's your pivot. That's your first pivot, or maybe it's not even your first, but it's, it's the, it's the one you reference, uh, as like the catalyst for it. How did you find pilots? What pilots did you choose? And and how did you figure that? Like, how did you approach that? Because I think for a lot of people, that first step is a really hard one. I have to say that I thought leaving Google would be my big pivot, but it was two years later, two years into self-employment when my bank account balance was almost at zero. Mm. That's when I really, that's when this method was born because I would have had to either fold my business or leave New York. And I remember thinking, am I delusional to think that I was cut out for this? Is the jig up? Should I just throw in the towel? Am I just, I'm not cut out for this. Mm -hmm. At what point do I admit that and go get another job. And at and this time and the re, the necessity of having better strategies, which is what pivot came from was saying that, you know, when I was employed and I was wondering what was next or hitting a plateau, mm-hmm. at least I still was getting a steady paycheck right. every two weeks. Right. But now on the other side, there was nobody funding this exploration of what's next. Mm-hmm. And so I, had to go look at, I had to say what is working. And I ended up calling all my former clients. These are people who had already hired me and doing what I call 30 thirties with them. I don't like the notion of asking to pick somebody's brain. It just sounds Mm -hmm. aggressive and Mm one-sided, but I do like 30 thirties. So, Hey, I'd love to get your input on something for 30 minutes. And then I'm also happy to help you brainstorm something on your mind for 30 minutes. Mm. And that worked really well. It helped me build a program called Momentum that I still run to this day and that saved my business. What What is Momentum? It's a private community. I wanted to create a community where people could give and receive feedback. Kind of, I called it Brilliance Barter in the beginning on a take a penny, leave a penny kind of way where people could actually get input and provide feedback to others on things they're working on. Hmm. So it's a private community for solopreneurs and side hustlers. And I do Q&A calls every two weeks. We do workshops and we help each other out. And I specifically made a point to say when I was looking for people to join, this is for generous people, you know, <laughs> heart-centered entrepreneurs who, who have a generous sense of wanting to help each other out. And I'm so grateful that that is what it has turned out to be. You used a term just there. It's a, a portmanteau, I believe, of your own invention, solopreneur. I don't think I made it up, but it's definitely in the water. (laughs) But yeah, I, for example, I've now been self-employed for eight years and I have no full-time employees. So I, I purposefully am not, my goal is not scale. We hear a lot in the business world scales. How are you going to scale? And I do love thinking about systems and delegating and Mm -hmm. sort of geeking out on, on that. But I don't necessarily need to build the next Facebook or even a hundred person or a 10 person company. I mm-hmm. enjoy, you mentioned lifestyle business, but I do like um, a little more flexibility. And, and so that's what the solopreneur is the person that wants to manufacture their own income stream without building a company essentially. 
or building a company that doesn't have a hierarchical or big infrastructure. Right, right, right. So staying small, basically. And and that doesn't revenue may or may not also stay small. My <laughs> friend Paul Jarvis just wrote a book, Company of One. There's another book called The One Person Million Dollar Business. Mm-hmm. There is a trend and actually both cite Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week right. that launched over 10 years ago now of spawning this certain type of entrepreneur who stays small in their operations, but mm-hmm. still might have big vision right. for how they can create impact. Right. And so that, okay. So, um, I, I like that term. I want to, I want to run with the idea of a solopreneur. I like it. I've never, just never heard it before, before you. So we, we accept this idea that change is, is a constant in the workplace. Now we begin talking to people about what they think our pilots should be. And we, with that 30, 30 concept where you pick their brain, I know you don't like to pick their <laughs> brain for 30 minutes. They pick your brain for 30 minutes. Uh, and okay. So now we have a, a, a lineup of pilots and we just let them launch or, or how do we decide what to feed there? How do we, how do we push on that? The first stage of this whole process is plant. And just to go back to it for a second, because it does really inform everything that follows plant is about two things. What am I already good at and enjoying the most? And what does success look like one year from now? Mm. I do not believe we can know the answer to where do you see yourself five years from now? I mean, this question is now completely obsolete, Mm -hmm. but I do think we can generally say one year from now, I would be thrilled if, how do you want to be earning? How do you want to be learning? How do you want to be making an impact? What is your environment like? Who are you surrounded by? What types of projects are you working on? You know, if you were to win an award, what would it be for? Or even Mm -hmm. just a glowing thank you note. And that piece the vision for one year from now, even if you don't know how you're going to get there or the details, right. that is so crucial. That plus your strengths is going to drive everything that follows. So the next stage scan is about based on those two things, strengths and where you want to end up a year from now, who are people, skills and projects that are related and you brainstorm and then the pilots come mm. as the third stage. So by following this, process and it's not linear. I call it there's a pivot is a continuous cycle right. that you plant scan pilot over and over and you could be perfectly happy doing that continuously. I mean that's that's kind of the big secret of the book is that pivoting isn't this one and done thing or right. you do it once every 3 years and you're done that in fact I feel so much more sane in my business by following these principles. Mm-hmm. I may not know where things are going to be a year from now, but I do know that I'm constantly testing. And right. building on what's right. working. Right. And that and that may come from your Google DNA where the idea of launching yes. something and then iterating it, launching and then iterating and in an attempt to uh, you sort of refine it by by having it out there and being used. Um, exactly. And Google also had the phrase be scrappy. Right. So it's very easy when pivoting or thinking about career, we have a lot of fear involved, understandably, because mm-hmm. it kind of seems could threaten your paycheck, your ability to fund your life. But try to notice if you're somebody that falls into perfectionistic thinking, Mm -hmm. well, I can only make a change when I have all these ducks in a row lined up or when everything is perfect. How can you launch and iterate? That's the Google phrase. Or how do you be scrappy? How do you say, you know what? Done is better than perfect and get something up, get something out there and then build. Yeah. Yeah. Or the uh, perfect is the enemy of the good. Uh, yes, exactly. So, okay, so 
I, I think I think this idea though is a really good point. This your your idea that that we need to be constantly pivoting because if change is the only constant, then you're you're you should never sit. You're, you're you're never going to be able to settle. This is the point of the book "Who Moved My Cheese." This idea that even even if you're comfortable today, there's no guarantee that that course is going to be the right course tomorrow. I mean, any sailor will tell you, you set a course and you're constantly adjusting it. That's that's just the way that that's the way that the world works. Um, I mean, imagine imagine a, an actor driving a car in a movie. If they hold the the steering wheel still, you can tell they're fake driving the car. You gotta constantly be moving it, or it seems it seems unreal, unrealistic. So I think that's kind of a a concept that we all need to get better at embracing, right? Mm. Yeah, it reminds me. There's a quote I love. Heraclitus said, "No, he said no man, but I'll update it. No person <laughs> ever steps in the same river twice, for he's not the same man, and it's not the same river, mm-hmm. or for he's not the same person, and it's not the same river. That even if we're not intending to change, every day we wake up, we're a day older. The world has changed. We're." In new circumstances, we're never stepping in the same river twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just want to say again that it doesn't mean I, I've been running my own business, like I said, eight years. So the big container doesn't have to change. You don't have to change and be dramatic about it just right. to change. But you can look at if, if your overall container is working for you, you can still say, well, what's working best and how can I do more of it in a way that's supportive, you know, in a way that helps you thrive. So this isn't about changing to constantly make yourself uncomfortable or anxious, but it's, it's actually to try to alchemize the anxiety and uncertainty that I think many people already feel. And that's what my question was, how do we change this feeling? Cause so many people would say to me, I think I'm having a midlife crisis mm-hmm. or I think I'm having a quarter life crisis. And they just felt paralyzed. Right. And, and then the big secret was it was everybody, right? Everyone was feeling this way. So by breaking things down in this way and framing pivot again, not as a personal shortcoming or a problem, but oftentimes, and more often it's a product of our success Mm -hmm. that whatever you were doing is working. And in fact, you kind of outgrow. Sometimes we outgrow Mm. whatever it is we're doing and that makes us ready for the next level. And and for that that next thing that's going to use the growth and the lessons we learned in our growth in order to be even better. Yeah, and to make a bigger impact as well. I have a lot of clients who are very successful in their career, but then they come to me and say, but I'm ready to think about my legacy now, mm. or well, I really want to leave something behind for my family, for my children. So I, I also think there is a maturation process that happens of thinking about Oh, me, 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 am I fulfilled? But then eventually, and, and I call this group high net growth individuals who <laughs> don't just optimize for wealth, but am I growing and how am I making an impact? And I think for a lot of people, especially all of you listening to a show like this one, you do want to know that you're creating positive change in the world mm-hmm. and bettering yourself in order to do that. It's not just for the sake of personal edification, right. but helping contribute in some way. Yeah, I mean, and I think also, you know, you, you make a good point earlier, not to circle back to the same point over and over, but I but I, I keep hearing you say these things and they, they really resonate with me. So you talk about how people used to have a midlife crisis and it was this thing where they would finally bring their head up after having it down for, 
however many years and realize, oh my gosh, what have I been doing this whole time? And now we have this phenomenon of a quarter life crisis, which people kind of laugh at. But I think that's, I think that's really indicative of the way the world has changed, the way the careers have changed, where, where you all of you, people become disenchanted so much sooner because they realize that these companies don't care about them the way that they are caring about their work. And they have, they rethink their whole priority structure. And I think that that's exactly why we need this idea of pivoting now more than we ever have in, in, mm. in career history. I mean, the careers, I mean, as they are sort of defined in the post-industrial West, but, but that I, you know, right, right. That's uh, true. But yeah, I, it I, goes both ways. You, you put your, you nailed it. Yeah. So I just, I just, I hear you say these things and I, and I just feel like it's, we're so unbelievably ripe uh, for the picking right now, where we really, really need to hear this. We need to hear that it's okay to make a quick transition. It's okay to figure out what you're good at and double down on that instead of doing what you think you're supposed to do, which is just keep working at a job that you don't like or keep doing something that you don't feel um, great at. And the next thing you know, you've given 10 years of your life to somebody and they and they fire you or the company goes under and and you have no say in it anymore. We, it's just not the same world that it used to be. And it's okay to start small. It's okay if you you are staying at your job and it's not your passion in life, right. but it right. pays the bills and you have a family. And, you know, it's amazing what one hour a week for your own personal fulfillment, what that can start to do. Or, you know, how did I write pivot. Sometimes it was just 15 minutes in the mornings before mm-hmm. I was doing all my business related mm-hmm. stuff. See what 15 minutes a day can do for a week and experiment. So don't think that just because you're not ready to make these big moves that again, that there's something wrong with you. And you, we, we read all these stories of great entrepreneurs and they're the ones being on all these podcasts, right. but what doesn't get highlighted are just the teeny tiny steps that over and over mm-hmm. really will start to create so much more movement than you might realize. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that those, those small habits can add up to big change in your life in the long term. Um, in addition to do, in, in addition to writing the book, you also do, you do a good amount of coaching, correct? Now I do more work with companies, helping them implement Pivot across the organization. Right. But yeah, I've done one-on-one coaching for 10 years as a steady, talk about a Pivot portfolio. That's been the most steady source of income of any aspect of my business, mm-hmm. but it was never my end-all be-all. Right. So, I, and I think that's, I think we all, if you think about your career more as an investment portfolio than as any one thing, right. or if you're self-employed, uh-huh. then you can say, how do you want to divide your pie? You yeah. know, I often have clients do this exercise, literally draw a pie chart and chunk out. Okay. I'd like 20% of my time to go toward writing. 10% will go right. toward one-on-one coaching. 50% right. will go toward consulting and working with companies. Right. You know, whatever your ideal mix is, at least allow yourself to write it down. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. Do not stop yourself just because you don't know how you're going to make something happen. I see so many people do that out of fear. And the gremlin says, well, who are you to write that down? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You're not cut out for that. Mm-hmm. Write it down anyway. And just let it be there. Right? Yeah. You know, the, to the extent possible, just put these as open-ended questions. You could even tape it on a piece of paper to the back of your front door or keep it handy on your phone and revisit them. You would be so surprised at what can come back in well, terms of answers and next steps. I mean, I think that I'm a big fan of journaling and I'm a big fan of meditation, Me which too. you talked about before. 
And I think that there is, and we've, we've actually talked to some psychologists about the, um, about the serious connection between physically writing something and what it does to map your brain and attach and, and how it forces your thoughts to organize around physically writing it more so than even typing and what that will do for, for making that a reality for your brain. As you write it, it become you, you organize the thought and the thought implants differently than it would in another way. And I feel like that's a great way of starting your pivot would be to write out what that goal is. When you're, mm. when you, once you're, sorry, you, you plant and then um, what's the next scan? When you're scanning, yeah. to be able to write is a really important part of that, I think. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of mind mapping where you draw Sometimes, you know, I've, I've done this every year where I draw the year and, a, and circle it in the middle of a piece of paper mm -hmm. and then just draw spokes for different skills, people you want to connect with, uh, people you admire, you know, what you'd want to learn, what you, how you want your career to unfold, mm -hmm. personal relationships, health and fitness. I mean, you can draw spokes for every area of life mm -hmm. and then brainstorm freely. So this is a way to write even in a nonlinear way of your your hand has to move horizontally across the page. Mm -hmm. You know, this kind of lets you be free right. and just keep drawing spokes. And for everything you write down, you can ask what else or what's important to me about that? Why did I write that down? Mm -hmm. Or what am I curious about? Even podcasts, these are growing so much in popularity. Yeah. For everyone listening to this one, I bet this isn't the only podcast, although no. <laughs> maybe Kip, you'd be happy if it was. <laughs> but, listen, as long as you listen, you can listen to as many <laughs> other podcasts as you want. Yeah, exactly. But what podcasts are you most attracted to within the shows you subscribe to? Which types of episodes when they come through in the queue are you so excited mm -hmm. to see land in your podcast queue? I mean, we have these interesting data points now of what am I drawn toward? Why is it that I'm always drawn toward this certain topic when I see it land on a show that I enjoy? And what kinds of guests do I enjoy most? What kinds of hosts? What topics? I mean, just unpacking mm -hmm. this one part of our life could provide right. such rich data. I'm even convinced that the shows we binge watch could inform something about our career. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm really into <laughs> 80s nostalgic kids who uh okay. have superpowers i'm just thinking of stranger things it's one stranger of things right. yeah uh, and do, and does that relate to what you do here on the podcast or <laughs> anywhere else i don't know i don't know what's the tie-in i'll have to figure that out i don't know i have to uh, maybe I, it's like your childlike and exploration maybe it's childlike, childlike curiosity and the desire for telekinesis <laughs> maybe it's those things <laughs> just out of pure exactly. laziness how do i get the remote to me i wish i had telekinesis that would mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. um in your coaching and the idea of pivot when you're going to these companies, what do you, where is the, where, where do you see the most resistance to the idea and how do you get people through it? Well, I'm always happy when companies bring me in because I can imagine it takes some level of courage mm -hmm. that they probably worry if I'm going to tell everyone just pivot out of here. Mm -hmm. But that's not my, that's really not what I do. So the one, the companies who are most innovative, innovative, I would say, understand that this isn't about this isn't about telling people to even change teams or, you know, a lot of people within companies think the only way for me to grow is to get promoted or change teams. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to feel stuck, but I've seen so many people successfully create special projects and even entire roles for themselves by using this process, mm -hmm. by piloting, you know, an example, when I joined Google, I started a team book club for the training team. I love books. I even invited the authors to come once a month, 
I had no dream of being Google's chief books officer, but this was a side hobby of mine. And Mm -hmm. I got the budget to buy everybody a book once a month. That alone was like winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. And then a couple years later, the authors at Google team was in transition and they needed an interim lead. So they tapped me to do it. They said, Oh, Jenny, you love books. Do you want to lead this team? And even that was not my full-time role. But I was able to work with authors who are still friends and mentors to this day, almost 10 years later. Wow. So there's an example of two things that were never my job title, mm-hmm. but brought me immense fulfillment and precious friendships yeah. and relationships. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to let you go uh, pretty soon here, but I have, I have a couple questions that I ask sure. everybody. First one is, um, what is one key habit that you think people could start doing today that will that will help them change their life towards towards the goals that Pivot helps people set. You mentioned meditation. I think for some people it can be like, Ugh, don't tell me yet again to meditate. Mm-hmm. But some practice of stillness, something that's for yourself before you start your day. So even if it's not formal meditation, can you sit in some amount of quiet, even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes and do something for you? I think it's very easy to, especially with phones nearby, mm-hmm. even Apple Watch, it's like yeah. chained to your to my wrist. I got it. I got it as a gift. And it's like a blessing and a curse. Right. You know, because my notifications are right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just how can you carve out some something that really brings you joy in the morning before you start your day? And, and at the very beginning of your day is important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I, there's I got, no there's no text or email that can't wait those 10, 20 minutes, right. even an hour. There's right. almost nothing that cannot wait for that hour for you. I mean, of course, if you have small children, if you have people in your immediate vicinity, that's different. Right. But I don't I do not check my email first thing. That's right. just a general rule. And to all the cardiovascular and emergency surgeons who are listening to this, <laughs> you are exempted, exempt. from that concept. Yes. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, I got an Apple Watch as a gift as well, and mine recently broke, and I, I have not repaired it or replaced it. And interesting for a while, it was really hard, and now I'm kind of feeling okay about it. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. If people want to follow up with you, where how, what's the best way to get to get in touch with you? There's a free toolkit of resources and exercises related to everything we talked about. That's pivotmethod.com/toolkit. Mm-hmm. You can go to pivotmethod.com slash momentum if you're interested in ongoing support. And if you want to check out the Pivot podcast, I invite you to look it up. There's, of course, now many podcasts called Pivot, but you could search for Pivot with Jenny Blake or Pivot podcast. And uh, if you want to if you want to hear Scrappy and launch and iterate, just go listen to those most awkward 10 first episodes <laughs> and you'll see. But it's uh, it's just growing and, and, and being willing to grow. So th- those are the main places. Okay. And if you're someone who's looking for one on one career coaching, you can go to pivotmethod.com slash coaching. And we have a whole amazing team of people who'd be willing to help out. So links to all of those uh, all of those sub-sites that Jenny just mentioned. <laughs> Our guest, Jenny Blake, and her book, Pivot, links to both both her social network and ne- networks, well, not hers, her accounts on social <laughs> networks, and the book uh, in the show notes, along with all of the things she just mentioned. Thank you so much for your time, Jenny, and, and, and um, I, we just appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Gib, for all the great questions, and to everybody for listening. What a joy. 
and this is what I love about uh, about the internet and the uh, the Amazon app is that uh, now I, I I've already begun my download of yeah. Jenny Blake's Pivot, and it's it's so great because I can't wait to dig in even more after after listening to your interview. Yeah, and and. Uh, Big thanks to Jenny, who spent a lot of time talking to me, and, and I, I cut it down a little bit so you guys could hear the, the most important stuff. So uh, really, really happy with that. If you like this podcast, if you if you were inspired by it, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, tell a friend. If there is a friend that needs to hear about finding passion in their work life, then please send them this podcast. Every time you send it to somebody else, it helps double our listenership, and we really need that. Uh, if you want to follow up with us, Facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend the most time. All kinds of posts, videos from the television side of things, uh, links to the stories that we do on the radio and here. Plus, we do a lot of Facebook Lives, and we return all the comments. That is our main hub. The other place, if you want to follow up with John, at John Tesh on Twitter, at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I re- try to respond to every single comment on all those platforms and every single message. So, And you f- if you want to hear us play this song and more, come, oh, see, yeah. us, come see us live. Teshmusic.com is a great place to come see where we're going to be live. We're touring in a whole bunch of places uh, through the middle of this year. So you can see us if in, in the Northeast. I think we're in, uh, in the Midwest and, uh, and a little bit on the West Coast as well. Yep. So uh, anyway, most importantly, guys, thank you so much for listening.